Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the grain, oil, seed and pulse markets remain volatile even though spring seeding is basically done. We'll hear from Alan Johnston of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwyn. As well, a spokesman for the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency says its agricultural water stewardship policy remains in development. Patrick Boyle will join us on today's program. The CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association was in the nation's capital last week, focused on two pieces of federal legislation. Grant McClellan will tell us which ones he was interested in. And cattle producers from across western Canada and a few from Ontario, Quebec and the Maritimes were in Saskatoon this weekend for the Canadian Angus Association National Convention. Chad Lorenz is an Angus breeder from west of Innisfail, Alberta. He'll tell us about what's going on with cattle in his part of the country as well as the conference itself. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The grain, oilseed and pulse markets remain volatile even though spring seeding is basically done. Alan Johnston from Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwyn explains why he thinks that's still the case. Some things are stronger, some things are a little weaker. It's just all over the place. you got grain, you want to get moved before the new crop. You better get at it right now. Like trucking always gets to be an issue and space in these plants. And a lot of these plants close down for well, maintenance in the summertime. So we're getting right into the heat of that kind of action going on. So, But there's still lots of grain moving. As you see, if you get our Johnson's Daily, which you should, it's free. It shows you every trade we make every day. And there's been, you know, we've done lots of, uh, we've traded lots of barley into the feedlots in southern Alberta. Quite a bit fog farm, uh, you know, some feed wheat. Uh, there's interest right now in yellow peas, you know, 10, 10 and a quarter range somewhere in there picked up. Green peas are even stronger. They're, you know, they're probably up thirteen half, fourteen dollars $14, but all subject to freight and, and subject to sample to see the quality of the product. Canary seed, I traded some last week at $0.38, cents, and that thing just seems to bob around by a cent up or down on that level. Oats are still very soft. Uh, there's so many oats out there from last year. Um, just an incredible amount. I think we're going to have oats for a year from now, too. So flaxes, I'm just jumping through the products as I'm pop into my head here, Doug. Flax is trading around $14. Uh, lots of guys hanging on. We want 14 half, 15 but we don't have that in any of our buyers yet. But we're always working on flax. We move a lot of flax, especially when the markets get hot and we've got lots of different buyers. But right now, it's just kind of calm on that front. Traded some canola last week. I think uh, Carly got yeah, around 15.40. It's all, again, subject to freight. 
some of the elevators are not taking much, but uh, it's just been kind of a ups and down with that canola market. New crop on pretty well everything is available, like barley and wheat and peas and mustards. Speaking of mustards, it's probably around 80, 88 cents, give or take a cent or two on that. Brown mustard, uh, I don't know, it would be in probably 84, 85. Oriental, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. This market is so volatile. I, I won't even put a number on the Oriental. I don't know what it is today. Ooh, what else are we missing here? Uh, Eston lentils, probably around 50, 51 cents. Large number one layered uh, lentils, uh, 58, 59 cents. Uh, well, you know, if you have questions, just give us a call. There's, there's traders waiting for taking your answer. It takes us about 20 minutes, half an hour generally to check out the market with the commodity that you call on. So give us time. And if you can let us know what you're looking for, that sure helps us. Or if you can let us know what we're up against, that again helps us. Because we're working for you, the farmer, trying to find you the price you want. But it doesn't always work nowadays with the markets the way it is. Uh, we're still busy, very busy with chemical. And that uh, gopher poison that we got into, Doug, has just been incredible. It's just every day we're selling more gopher poison. So if you're having an issue with that, too, give us a call. Seeding is complete everywhere. And the crops are looking, in general, fairly good. There's, there will be some drought areas. There always is. But right now, the crops are looking very good. In our area, they're, they're just going here like two or three inches a day. It's just phenomenal growth. Johnston doesn't put much stock in the latest WASDE report released Friday by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. You know, these reports that come out of the U.S. and same with Stats Canada and all, that they do affect the market a little bit. But mostly, you know, USDA report, I have always thought that was heavily political. And the Canadian Stats Canada report, I figured over my 35, 6 years of doing this, I just, I just feel that report is not accurate because people don't give them the right numbers. They don't give them the real true numbers and 90% of the time. Could be wrong on that, but I don't think so. So it just, you just have to call and follow the markets. And again, that goes back to our trading page on the daily it shows what traded. Like a, a bid is very generic, but a trade actually happened, and we put that on there. So it's a, it's a pretty potent thing in a way, and I'm not bragging about it because it's ours. It, it's just that I'm told that by grain sellers and grain buyers all over all over Canada, U.S., and around the world, they like that report because it, it lets them know what the heck's going on. He adds the man-made flooding in Ukraine and the subsequent Ukrainian counteroffensive are influencing the markets as well. Right now, the uh, the Russians are backing off a bit. It's, this morning says that Ukraine has claimed to have captured a few more villages. So that war is non-ending. It's uh, it's, it's a very on, unsure world right now, and it's it's uh, disheartening to see this is happening everywhere. You know. That's Alan Johnston from Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wilwyn. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Co-op Hail Insurance. Beef and Forage Report. If you're wondering what forages would work best in your field, or if you could use some help figuring out your forage seeding rate, then Forage U-Pick might be for you. Forage U-Pick is a free online forage species selection tool that can help farmers and ranchers across Canada choose forages that best suit their fields calculate seeding rates, and manage forage weeds. Amy Higgins of the Maritime Beef Council explains. Selecting forage species that will thrive under the growing and management conditions of a specific field on your farm improves the crop's productivity, 
Since well-managed forage is typically the cheapest source of feed, growing forages can widen profit margins for a beef operation, or really any ruminant grazing enterprise. Forage You Pick has recently expanded to be Canada-wide and bilingual, and it builds upon the success of a previous version launched in 2020 that was only applicable to Western Canadian producers. Good quality information should not be limited. All producers need all the information they can get onto their farm to utilize to help make the best decisions possible for good forage production. Straight forage producers, livestock producers, or crop producers can now all take advantage of Forage UPIC. The updated Forage UPIC tool is available at upic.beefresearch.ca. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Very few major changes were made in the latest edition of the World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimates published Friday by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. For the 2023-24 crop year, the USDA pegged total domestic wheat production at 1.665 billion bushels, slightly higher than the 1.659 billion in the department's May estimates. The report held 2023-24 U.S. corn production at May's 15.265 billion bushels, domestic use at 12.385 billion, and exports at 2.1 billion. For soybeans, the June WASD maintained production from May at 4.5 billion bushels, with total use also remaining at 4.41 billion, and exports at 1.975 billion. Among the world's wheat producers in 2023-24, the department kept Canada at 37 million metric tons. In USDA's monthly oilseed report, it pegged global canola rapeseed production for 2023-24 at 87.2 million metric tons, of which 20.3 million is to be grown in Canada. Canada has extended Ukraine's tariff-free access for most goods, but tightened access for eggs, poultry and dairy, sectors protected under the Canadian supply management system. Finance Minister Christia Freeland said tariff relief for Ukrainian goods such as steel, a temporary measure started a year ago, would continue for another year to help support Kyiv as it defends itself against Russia. That measure applied to goods not already covered by the country's free trade agreement. The additional trade access was due to expire on Friday, and the government's decision on whether to extend it further was a test of Canada's staunch backing of Ukraine. Canadian poultry and egg farmers and processors had complained that Ukraine's access made it harder to control imports and also raised concerns about the safety of Ukrainian food due to infrastructure damage. China is expected to feed a lot more of its domestic wheat crop to hogs and poultry this year after heavy rains reduced the quality of the harvest in the biggest growing region boosting prospects for imports. The amount of wheat consumed in animal feed is likely to increase by 10 million metric tons to about 35 million tons in the year starting in July, with a large volume consisting of sprouted grain, according to the latest forecast from Shanghai JC Intelligence, a China-based commodity consultancy. 
The loss of high-quality wheat could increase demand for imports, with JC Intelligence raising its estimate by 1 million metric tons to just over 9 million tons in the coming year. Chinese buyers booked some Canadian wheat last week and are actively making inquiries for more grain, according to some traders. Shares in Saputo fell about 11% as the company's chief executive cautioned negative consumer sentiment could dampen the outlook for the start of its 2024 fiscal year. Speaking to analysts Friday about the Montreal-based dairy company's fourth quarter results, President and CEO Lino Saputo says he feels confident about delivering on the company's promises in the year ahead, but that it could face rough waters early on. Saputo says despite major dairy-producing countries not seeing an overcapacity of volume, consumer sentiment has turned somewhat negative to start the fiscal year. He also noted China's opening has occurred slower than expected, which has impacted commodity prices. RBC Dominion Securities analyst Irene Natel says despite encouraging signs in the results, the deterioration seen to date in the company's 2024 first quarter leaves a question mark on its recovery. The Alberta government's caucus lead on emergency medical services reform has been promoted to handle the agriculture file in a post-election cabinet shuffle. R.J. Sigurdsson, MLA for the constituency of Highwood, just south of Calgary, was sworn in Friday as Alberta's new Minister of Agriculture and Irrigation, replacing Nate Horner. Sigurdsson first came to the legislature in the 2019 election and was named last October as Premier Danielle Smith's Parliamentary Secretary for EMS Reform. Before entering provincial politics, Sigurdsson was a senior project and general manager with and shareholder in Avalanche Air Systems, a Calgary-area commercial HVAC and sheet metal contracting firm. Sigurdsson's experience in the ag file includes growing up on a small family farm north of Cochrane and working on neighboring farms in his teens. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in 60 seconds time. (laughs) Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and 27 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. A spokesman for the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency says its agricultural water stewardship policy remains in development. Patrick Boyle responded after the Saskatchewan Alliance for Water Sustainability, also known as SAWS, and NDP critic for the Water Security Agency, Erica Ritchie, raised concerns about the policy last Monday. Boyle first explained what the policy is and its goals. And it's centered around water management um, and sound water management. So the goals of that policy uh, include to increase capacity to be resilient against both flooding and drought and to support water quality for human uses, agricultural production, industry and healthy aquatic populations and biodiversity. So just kind of some overarching goals for that. So when you look at that 
stewardship policy. It's part of the agricultural water management strategy, which is the bigger picture. And and one of those main components uh, of the policy is wetland stewardship. Uh, and so that's going to help manage water quality along with water quantity, wetland habitat, soil health, and, and greenhouse gases. One of the criticisms by SAWS was the policy lacked requirements to restore drained wetlands. However, Boyle says it's still under consultation, so nothing has been finalized. Well, I think there's a misunderstanding of of, of actually what's uh, going on and factually correct. So what's happening right now is the agricultural watershed, water stewardship policy is not done. It's currently undergoing a significant consultation. So um, at WSA, we really value the interest and perspectives of all stakeholders and Indigenous communities. And, And that's why in July of 2022, we launched a comprehensive ongoing engagement process. And, and as of May 2023 here, over 70 different provincial organizations and indigenous communities have been invited to a series of plenary sessions. And, and to date, we've had 44 organizations engage and, and they provided valuable input on the key components of that policy. And, and so we're, we're hosting dedicated engagement for all First Nations and Métis communities. And we're actively receiving feedback on the engagement materials that are publicly posted on our website right now. And, and any considerations, so commentary of that can go into that and help form and create that policy as it goes forward. So it would be odd to comment against something that isn't finalized, if that makes sense. Another critique was the lack of enforcement on illegal drainage projects. Boyle says there is a process they follow to ensure projects comply. We've been working through that uh, through the agricultural water management strategy and if there is a request for assistance and, and it goes through that and what we look at here is compliance as a whole. And so um, currently we work through what's considered the network approach where you know, water just doesn't stop in one area or one producer to the next. It is a network and as a whole needs to be addressed. And, and those are large and complex issues that get worked through, but there is a process for that and it works through and, and, and makes its way through and to compliance. And ideally, at the end of the day, we want a solution that works for everyone, where you have approvals and in a system that's well managed and done responsibly. And he was asked if any member of the Saskatchewan Alliance for Water Sustainability can engage with the Water Security Agency about the policy. Yeah, they're absolutely open to sending any feedback and commentary on the the public materials that are available. Uh, A lot of the consultations focused on provincial organizations that have stakeholders that are directly impacted by this. And so that's where a lot of that is is based on. So, but certainly public commentary is welcome and can be done on through our website and at the email address that's attached to that. All the materials are are available publicly. So that's uh, something we open and welcome those comments. Boyle says consultation period will wrap up at the end of this year and he expects the policy to be finalized sometime in the first half of next year. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 173.20 today. That's up 135. October live cattle closed at 176.47 up 167. August feeder cattle closed at 239.05. That's up 5. 
September feeder cattle closed at 242.07, up 37. July lean hogs closed at 91.60, up 197. August lean hogs closed at 87.37, up 342. And that's the livestock market conditions. The CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association was in the nation's capital last week, focused on two pieces of federal legislation. Grant McClellan says one of the bills is C-282, a private member's bill that he says makes it illegal for the federal government to discuss supply-managed sectors during trade negotiations. The other is C-234, which is an exemption of grain drying from the carbon tax. McClellan says they don't want Bill 282 to pass, arguing it's bad trade policy and bad for the livestock sector. However, they do want Bill 234 to pass. Really, in terms of the meetings that we've had so far, and uh, that includes some senators and MPs from Alberta and Saskatchewan, as well as some maritime provinces, but really it seems like at, uh, certainly at the Senate level there's a good grasp of the issues, uh, good support for the positions that we have put forward. I think everyone is kind of of the same mind in particular when it comes to supporting our agriculture sector. Bill 234 seems, we're very hopeful, and every meeting that we've had so far is very supportive of moving that bill forward. There's some procedural issues or challenges sometimes uh, with parliamentary legislation, but it, we're very hopeful that that is expedited as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, and our position on 282 has really been reflected in the meetings that we've had so far, so we're very pleased with that. Bill 282 is currently at third reading in the House of Commons, while Bill 234 is in the Senate, being debated at second reading. McClellan is confident Bill 234 will eventually get passed. You never really know, and there's also the risk that the government prorogues Parliament, and so that's really why we're hopeful that 234 will get done, whether it will or not. There's always backroom deals in particular with uh, these types of political uh, issues and discussions. And so things could move more quickly, and we hope they do on 234. And like I said, that's part of the reason we're here, uh, to push our uh, decision makers to make that decision quickly. Because if the House rises for the summer, that means the bills won't be revisited until the fall. But if they prorogue, or in the case of an election, those bills could fall off the order paper entirely. And that would be a serious loss for uh, farmers and ranchers, especially as we move into the summer months and another harvest will be underway and another fall run. And we'd like to see the carbon tax exemption in place before that. But certainly there'd be no love lost if Bill 282 happened to not go forward. Should the carbon tax exemption pass, McClellan says it will provide relief for producers. Well, certainly the cost of uh, inputs and profitability is front of mind for our livestock producers, right? Their margins are thin. Even in the face of high cattle prices, it's those other costs that have been added on over the years, including the carbon tax, that is really hitting their bottom line. And so certainly that exemption would be welcome news in this expensive kind of input world that our producers are tied to. Grant McClellan is the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, who was in Ottawa last week. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in one minute's time. 
Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Cattle producers from across western Canada and a few from Ontario, Quebec, and the Maritimes were in Saskatoon for the Canadian Angus Association National Convention last week. Chad Lorenz is an Angus breeder from west of Innisfail, Alberta. He delivered some bulls last week on his way to Saskatoon, and he was asked to compare the moisture conditions between Saskatchewan and Alberta. I would say that in general Saskatoon and North are probably in better shape than much of central Alberta and you know I think that's from real recent moisture. I don't think they've been in great shape all spring but I do think there's been some not general but some spotty moisture across the prairies just in the recent weeks and uh, and hopefully more to come in the next week because uh, the more we can shrink the dry area the better it is for the industry. He says cattle in his part of Alberta have just been put out to pasture. Not long, I would say, on average, the producers have just gotten cows to grass, you know, over the past two weeks. So kind of the last week of May, the first week of June. And, you know, I, I think the grass has started, but uh, needs some moisture to continue for the summers. Lorenz says the wildfire risk has eased in his area. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we're at a risk of fire um, in central Alberta, uh, especially you know now that uh, things have turned green and the growing season up is upon us. I, I think everybody's in a little safer situation than earlier in the spring when we were dealing with dead residue and so much material from last year's growing season to burn and, and fuel the fires. But of course we've dealt with smoke uh, just as you have here at Saskatoon. Uh, that's been a challenge. You know, you get a, you get a few good days based on the wind direction and then deal with just awful smoke. So I, I think that's affecting uh, everybody far and wide. He's unsure what kind of effect the smoke has had on cattle. We maybe don't see visual signs of how it affects the cattle, but I can't imagine that it does. And I mean, we know how it affects us when we're out and about and, and working. You know, it, it bothers your eyes and it bothers the respiratory system. I, I would assume it would be just the same for the cattle. They have to live in it and graze in it. And, and so for sure they deal with the same as we do. Chad Lorenz from Innisvale, Alberta was in Saskatoon for the Canadian Angus Association National Convention over the weekend. Coming up, he will talk about the 11th edition of Building the Legacy Sale, which was the final event of the annual convention on Saturday night. Commodities Update. U.S. Uh, make that canola futures closed up in the nearby months today. July canola closed at $689 per metric ton, up $3.10. November canola closed at $665.70, up $0.80. Cents. July Minneapolis wheat closed at $8.14 and a quarter, up two and a half cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at $7.96 and a half, down one and a quarter cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 6.33 and three quarters, up three and a half cents. July corn closed at 6.17 and a quarter, up 13 cents. July soybeans closed at 13.72 and three quarters, down 13 and three quarters of a cent. July oats closed at 3.66 per bushel, up seven and a half cents. 
And that's the commodities update. Well, as you heard, the Building the Legacy sale was held on Saturday night to raise money for the Canadian Angus Foundation. Chad Lorenz is an Angus breeder from west of Innisfail, Alberta. The foundation works closely with the Canadian Angus Association, but basically we're the charitable non-for-profit arm of the association that takes care of, uh, you know, our youth and junior development, some of our research initiatives, and basically preserving the archives and the history of the Angus Association. So we kind of do the non-business stuff, and our main fundraiser is Building the Legacy Sale. Last night was the 11th edition, and and we sold picks of heifer calves from a couple of breeders close to, actually close to Saskatoon here. One was uh, the Flurry Cattle Company, and the other one was uh, the Wheeler family of Wheeler Stock Farm. And so they both donated a uh, pick their calendar year born heifer calves. We had some pregnant recipients. We had a flush on a donor cow, and then embryos and semen uh, donated from our breeders, as well as art and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, and the sale did gross an impressive $129,000 unofficially, so that's a fairly big fundraiser for us, our biggest throughout the year. He notes they also handed out awards to some long-time breeders. It's something that the association tries to do is to recognize and give credit to those breeders that have been at it for generations and, and dedicated, you know, many decades to the Angus seed stock business. So we were actually a little bit behind because of COVID and stuff, so kind of covered a, a couple, three years. But we did award five breeders with their 50-year plaque and three additional breeders with their 75-year plaque. So that's major dedication. And, and that takes, you know, multiple generations to achieve that long-standing time as a registered member of the Canadian Angus Association. Lorenz provides a list of names. Some of these on different levels. Some are more active currently than others, but uh, we have the Schmaltz family from Bicycle Red Angus. Uh, in Alberta, we have the Baxter family from Count Ridge Stock Farms. From all the way from the Maritimes, we have the Welch family from Garvey Farms. Then we have the Pinoski family from Linden Angus Farm, also of Alberta. Saskatchewan would have been the Ippolito family of Moose Creek Red Angus. And in our 75-year division, we had uh, the Davis family from Arda Farms, the Warlow family from Minburn Angus, and the Trowbridge family from Southern Angus Farm. Uh, all three of those are from Alberta. He says when you get to 75 years, you're talking about three to four generations of cattle producers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of changes over 75 years in the way they do things, in the way they operate in the agriculture industry, even in the Angus breed and the type of cattle. Uh, the technology lots has changed and it's, it's seen multiple generations. And Lorenz had these final comments. Just in general, in summary, you know, for the convention, a wonderful set of breeders that attended in Saskatoon here, a great set of donors that donated to our Building the Legacy sale, and uh, of course we, regardless where we are in the country, we actually use an auctioneer that is local to Saskatoon in Ryan Hurlbert, who uh, is an auctioneer at SLS just west of town. He of course sells commercial cattle there and uh, sells many purebred cattle up and down the road each year, so we do use his services for our event. Uh, he donates the services, uh, does a wonderful job for us, so uh, just kind of nice to be right in his backyard and too numerous to mention other sales staff and volunteers that are part of that. So yeah, just a really good event at a, at a nice time of year starting summer here. Chad Lorenz is a purebred Angus breeder from west of Innisfail, Alberta. He was involved in the Building the Legacy sale. 
which raises money for youth programs, research initiatives, and preserving the history of the breed in Canada. That sale raised more than $129,000. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Just last week, a dam and a hydroelectric plant in Russian-controlled areas of southern Ukraine were destroyed. A section of a major pipeline carrying ammonia fertilizer was blown up as well. Arlen Suderman is the chief commodities analyst for Stonex. He says the global wheat market has become desensitized to news out of war-torn Ukraine. Producers knows that Russia's dumping cheap wheat onto the world market. So as long as Russia is able to do that, we don't see any impending shortages. So the market kind of discounts the news out of the Black Sea region. I think it's still significant. I think that the, the day of reckoning will eventually come with tight world wheat supplies. Certainly, I think the risks are probably higher now than they were a year ago, when, which was early in the war. But the market really doesn't seem to care right now because it's not seeing a direct impact on supply and demand of global supplies overall. Suderman believes there will be longer-term ramifications when it becomes more challenging to export wheat. That probably doesn't matter until we see enough of a shortage that we start seeing uh, the cash markets start to go up once again. Remember that wheat is one of those commodities that is largely traded on the cash market in the world versus soybeans, where virtually every bushel that's consumed is traded on the futures market at some point. Wheat is a much different animal. Meantime, more details about the dam explosion in southern Ukraine. Many thousands of acres of farmland have been flooded, and there is concern about future water supply for irrigation in the region. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzola says this damage is now more important than the Black Sea Shipping Agreement. As a result of this, it, it really kind of backs away and, and makes less important the issues with the Black Sea grain deal getting uh, up, updated or extended. Um, if, if Ukraine can't get it out the door, it doesn't matter if there's an agreement and a, and a grain initiative and a corridor to ship through. Landmines are also being dislodged by the floodwaters, prompting concerns not just for residents, but also for those coming to provide assistance. It's coming up on 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly to mainly sunny, winds west-northwest at 15 to 25, and a high of 30 degrees. For tonight, mainly clear, winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of 14. For tomorrow, partly sunny, winds northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 27 with an overnight low of 13. For Wednesday, partly sunny, winds east-southeast at 15 to 25, a high of 28. For Thursday, partly sunny with a 30% chance of spotty showers, a high of 24. And Friday, mainly sunny, a high of 25. In the Paw and Brandon, 
it's 26 degrees. Swan River is at 27. Dauphin, 29. Show Lake Russell and Roblin, 25. Regina, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington all reporting in at 26. Saskatoon and Hudson Bay, 27. Broadview, Mooseman, 25. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a west-northwest wind at 21 kilometers an hour. 42% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 27 degrees. That's a look at your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles.